Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Slowly, it feels like we have a few nice days of weather, then it just chucks down a bit of more rain, and hopefully now we're turning some corner into uh, into some nice uh, spring weather, uh, into this last quarter that we, you know, in many ways just zoom into Christmas. Uh, so for all those that love Christmas, I know that's probably already on your radar. I must say I was a little bit just kind of frightened when I went into the shops the other day, and there was just bays and bays of Christmas things in front of me, and I was like, whoa, confronting that that is going to be on our dial and on our radar very soon, but hopefully you've had a great weekend so far. Hopefully also you're engaging in this series uh, that we're looking at, Living Faith. Uh, It's a beautiful uh, and wonderful letter that Paul uh, has written to this young church uh, in Thessalonica, and I believe it is as relevant for us today as it was uh, for this young church in the first century. And there is so much in this letter for us as we wrestle with faith in the 21st century. In the first week, uh, we looked at the fact that through the gospel, uh, through the gospel, we are chosen and that we are changed and we are converted. And Paul opens his letter uh, with real thanksgiving around that. Uh, last week, Dubsy kept the words beginning with the letter C going. And we looked at the fact that in this next part of the letter uh, that we... Uh, have courage to live out uh, the faith that God has placed in us. He, he desires for a consistency in us to accept the call that he has for our lives. I believe that last week for many was a very important week as you surrendered yourself afresh before God, allowed the Holy Spirit to fill you and lead you, to give you that consistency and that courage to face the challenges that we have in our faith walk. But also more than that, to step into all that He has for you in the context in which you find yourself and also for us as a church, as we have a deep desire to live out our faith. We don't want our faith to be in a box or, you know, something that's put away. Uh, Our faith is very precious, but it's to be lived. It isn't to be passed, uh, you know, put away onto the side. It's to be lived in our lives. And today, uh, in the next section of the letter that Paul has written to this young church, we're going to look at Paul's framework around what it means to be a good friend. To be a good friend. What does it mean to have and live in Christian friendship? Very important, I think, for us in our day today. You know, when you consider the impacts of uh, COVID in our society and some of the impacts, we're not going to know for a very long time, but one thing that we know for sure is the relational and the mental stress that is kind of um, being created in an already fragile society. Uh, Relationships Australia did a survey pre-COVID around people who would describe themselves as being lonely and 33% of people were honest enough to say that they find themselves to be lonely at times in their life. One in three would describe that pre-COVID. That number's ballooned out now in the same study to be over 50%. 54% of people now would describe themselves as being lonely. Uh, loneliness, social isolation, uh, relational and mental stress uh, has been exacerbated through the situations that we've found ourselves in over these last couple of years. So this idea of friendship, this idea of uh, being a good friend, this idea of needing good friends. 
I think is as relevant to us today as it was when Paul was writing this letter to this young church all those years ago. Because if I ask you to be honest with yourself and say, hey, would you describe yourself as lonely? In the quieter, maybe more uh, you know, private moments of your life, would you describe yourself as being lonely? If you rank yourself from being zero, which is never lonely, through to 10, which is being frequently lonely, where, where, where would you place yourself? What number would you give? Hand on heart, being honest with yourself today. I think we all know what it means to be lonely. We all know what it means to be and feel isolated. So right off the bat, I want you to know that we as a church, we're here for you, that we have two counsellors now uh, that come in and use our facilities and we have put money aside so that anyone that needs to speak to someone can. I think we've normalised this in society and in our conversation uh, more, more widely, but I want you to know it's really okay to talk to someone. We need to. We need to talk to people if we're going through things that are difficult in our lives. And we want to help you do that as a church. Put aside some money and we've got some resource. All you need to do is send an email out to, to the church office at clovercrest.com.au or just reach out to one of the team relationally and we'll walk with you in that. But we have been created for community. We, we haven't been created for isolation. We've been created to do life with God and with others. So today I want to talk about the, the, the truth, which is that we need good friends around us and we need to be a good friend to others. And this um, uh, maybe desire, the skill, the posture, the art of being a good friend, I think maybe is something that we've lost in recent years. We do live quite privatised and individualised lives. You know, we maybe, have we lost the art of being a good friend to others? Maybe even do a little self-audit. When's the last time you've welcomed someone new into your world? Like really welcomed them, embraced them, had people over for a meal, uh, being a really good friend to others. Because I think the narrative of our culture particularly is to go, well, hang on, when's someone been a good friend to me? And that's because we're living in such an individualised, self-absorbed culture. But actually, I think the challenge for us when we look at friendship and Christian friendship and what we're going to explore in the time that we have today is actually to ask the other question. When have I been a good friend to others? How am I reaching out? How am I welcoming people into my world? Some theologians have called 1 Thessalonians the friendship letter. And uh, they've described that some of the language that, that, that has been used by Paul, it's the same as what people would use when you're writing a letter to friends, expressing feelings and a deep commitment to one another. And this next uh, section of the letter, which is 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 17 to 3, 13, Paul uses deep emotions and expresses intense feelings. He feels you might be a bit of a feeler. You're like, yeah, I feel a lot. And, and that kind of comes out of me. Well, you might relate to how Paul writes this letter to the Thessalonians. And he speaks about four qualities uh, that uh, to really describe what it means to be a good Christian friend. And they're qualities I want us to look at today. And I've wrapped them around the word care. Because if we're going to have a living faith, it's essential that we care and that we explore what it means to be a good friend and have good friends in our lives? How can we be people who demonstrate care? So this first quality of a good Christian friend is concern. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 to 20. He says, Brothers and sisters, 
When we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. So Paul uh, starts off this uh, next section by describing a deep love and a deep concern that he has for the church here in Thessalonica. And he's using this relational family uh, metaphor that uh, he kind of picks up on from earlier in chapter 2. If you go back into, into chapter 2 in verse 7, he talks uh, like uh, in these family relational metaphors. And he says that we were like young children among you in verse 7. And then he goes and he changes the metaphor again. He says, we were like a mom who nurses her children with you and we cared for you. And then in verse 11, he says, you know how we dealt with you? We dealt with you like a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. So he's kind of like spun this metaphor three different ways. And then when we get to verse 17, he pushes back into this family metaphor by saying this. He says that we were often separated, longing to visit you, but we were prevented in doing so. And what he's doing is he's just kind of layering this approach of just saying how much he loves them, how much he's concerned about them. And he's using this in a relational way that this church can understand. You know, we're trained in our society to have such a high concern for ourselves. But Paul leads out in this moment by having a concern for others. He has a concern for this young church. And he teaches us here by the way that he interacts with the Thessalonian church that this is a quality of what it means to be a good Christian friend. Let me ask you today, what is it that you're concerned about? And when you think about the concerns in your world, how many of them are about you compared to how many of them are about the other? It's a good challenge as we look at our culture and we look at the word because a good Christian friend is concerned about the other. The second quality of a good Christian friend is they ask questions. They ask questions. Paul goes on to say this in in chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. He says, so when we could stand it no longer, we thought it was best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. As it turned out that that way, as you well know. For this reason, when we could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. And I was afraid that in some way that the tempter had tempted you and that our labours might have been in vain. So Paul kind of begins with a concern. His, his heart and his love and his longings are for, uh, for the church in Thessalonica. He starts with a concern, but then he backs it up. He backs it up with action. And he backs it up by asking good questions. And I think that's a real hallmark of true friendship. He says twice in verse 1 here and in verse 5, when we could stand it no longer. 
Well, they just couldn't stand it any longer. They sent Timothy. Why? Well, verse 5 says it. To, he sent Timothy to, send, um, to find out about your faith. So he wanted to check in on this young church. He wanted Timothy to come, ask some good questions, actually see, how are you guys traveling? Is there anything that you need? How can I pray for you? What is it that you're lacking and how can we strengthen you in your walk? So Timothy went in and he went in with such a posture to ask some good questions and to help strengthen them in their faith. And the word faith here in verse 2 and in verse 5 uh, it could actually be substituted for the word faithfulness. So he's checking in on their faith, but he's also checking in on their faithfulness. And this word literally gets translated out to being their loyalty or allegiance. So what Paul is doing is he's sending Timothy and he's saying, hey, I want you to go. I want you to check their faith, which is actually meaning I want to see how loyal and how much allegiance they have still to God. So Timothy was sent to ask good questions and to strengthen them in their faith. And Tom Wright, he says this, he says, faith is for Paul partly about our personal trust in God and the gospel, partly about our belief in the central gospel events, and partly about our continuing faithfulness to God who has revealed himself in these events in the gospel message about them. So it's quite a broad conversation that Paul has sent Timothy to have with this young church, to ask a lot of questions and to strengthen them in their faith. It's really, really important that we consider who it is that we have around us asking us the questions around our faith. I'm so blessed and so grateful for the people who are around me that ask me how I'm tracking. I've got a few people that are kind of in that inner circle who, who check in with me, that ask me good questions, that are proactive. They don't necessarily wait for me to come to them. And they ask me questions about how I'm going in my faith. I'm also really blessed that I've got a few pastors uh, a bit um, earlier in the journey than me that I get to mentor and walk alongside and I get to ask them questions about how they're going. You know, whenever I start a relationship with uh, someone in terms of uh, mentoring them or, or, or walking alongside them in, in their faith, I say, hey, what's three questions that I can ask you? That when we catch up, three questions that I can ask you that would be really helpful and beneficial in your faith development. See, asking questions is really important. It's a really important part of uh, our, our growth and our development. Why? so that we can be strengthened in our faith. We're not created to do faith alone. Privatizing our faith and keeping the most deep and personal uh, bits of our faith just to ourselves isn't the way we've been created. We also haven't been created to blast it over billboards or social media either, by the way. It's to have trusted people in relationship that will ask really good questions that you're honest with. That's how we grow in our friendship, to ask good questions. Really, really important part of what it means to be a good Christian friend. So let me ask you today, who do you have in your life that are asking you questions about your faith walk, who are going deep, who are keeping it real, who are really pressing in on the areas of life that maybe you could be potentially most triggered or most tempted in. Who are those people? Because if you don't have them, you need them. You really do. You need them. Paul sent Timothy to this church to ask those questions. 
Who's in your world right now? And what I know to be true is this, is that at probably at some time in your life you had those people. You might still have them now. But life is a journey of faith and we go in and out of some relationships and what might have been strong and solid for you a few years ago might have just slipped away now. And today the Holy Spirit might just be reminding you, hey, this is important. This is really important that you have people in your life asking hard questions so that you can be strengthened in your faith. But then the second question in there is as important. Who are you asking questions of? Who are you asking questions of? Because it's just not about you. It's about you asking questions of others so that you can be an enabler in another person's life to help them be strengthened in their faith. I wonder what the step, maybe the calibration or the realignment or the initiation of something new you need to bring into your world today because a good friend cares enough to ask questions of the other. The third quality of a good Christian friend is one who rejoices. This is what Paul says in verses six to eight. He says, but Timothy has just come now from you to us and brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Verse 8, for now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Now, Paul loved receiving this news, didn't he? You can just imagine, you know, he's waiting and there's this tension of Timothy coming back and, and there's this tension both of kind of relief and delight that, that Paul's receiving this news from Timothy and he's getting this, this good report, this good news. He, he probably wasn't sure what was coming, you know. We live in such a technological age that we're like, oh, a 24-hour news cycle, social media, you know, he'll just post something and we'll get it. No worries, you know, he'll probably even send it through a video message so we'll be fine we'll just live stream it no worries it wasn't like this for Paul he was waiting for Timothy to receive this news and the tension of his writing here picks that up but he rejoices with the Thessalonian church that their faith is strong they've got pleasant memories of Paul and his ministry with them and they have a desire to see him again as he has a desire to be with them you know what this friendship is it's reciprocal this friendship is two-way, and it's so very import, important that we know this. And because of this, Paul states in verse 8, For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. It's like Paul comes alive because of the good report that he gets from Timothy. I wonder if it's the same for you. Uh, you know, if you've got a friend or you've got someone in your world and when they're going well, maybe when they've forgiven someone or when they've moved through uh, a certain area of temptation or when they're starting to share their faith and, and, and they share that with you in an encouraging way and then you feel like you come alive and that, that your faith is strengthened. I know I certainly feel like that. I'm blessed to have interactions with many of you in different ways. And, you know, when someone comes to me and they've been going through a difficult time, they said, but you know what? I've made a decision to forgive this person. Or, or when someone returns to the Lord after a while of being away. It, I don't know about you, but I, I'm just so strengthened. It feels like something comes alive in me when someone else is going through that. And that's what Paul is describing here. 
And really, in many ways, this is a sign of relational and spiritual maturity. That's what he's sharing. This sense of rejoicing with the other. Because a good friend rejoices with the other. The fourth quality here of a good friend is one who endures. One who endures, especially in prayer. Verses verses 9 to 13 go on to say, How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and the Father himself and the Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when the Lord Jesus comes with his holy ones. See, Paul thanks God and he, and he prays for them. If you remember back to the first week in the Bible project, we're now really, start, we start with a prayer in 1 Thessalonians 1 and then now we're in that midsection of when he pauses to pray again. And, and, and he prays uh, for the church here. Uh, and he's showing endurance uh, for them, especially in prayer. And his prayer expresses his desire to see the Thessalonians. He's not letting that one go. And he prays that they would overflow with love in verse 12. And in verse 13, that they'd have strengthened hearts and live holy lives. Now, this is a prayer of a Christian friend, isn't it? The people that you are praying for right now, if you would pray that they would continue to overflow with love, that they would have strengthened hearts and live holy lives. That is the prayer that we need to be praying for one another. So who is it that you're praying for? Who is it that you're praying that God would continue to increase in more and more measure in their life? Who are you enduring for, especially in prayer? I feel like the Holy Spirit asked me to ask you today, who have you stopped praying for that he wants you to, Start again. Who maybe just dropped off your radar that he wants to bring back front and center for you again and say, don't give up on this person. I haven't given up on them. Don't you give up on them. But keep enduring in your friendship, especially in prayer. So what does good Christian friendship look like from Paul's perspective? If you ever wondered, is the Bible relevant for us today? Here it is. Paul sets out his framework for what a good Christian friend looks like here in chapter 2 and chapter 3. Good Christian friend is one who shows concern for others. One who asks good questions. One who rejoices with the other. And one who endures, especially in prayer. Just take a look at this framework. Concern, asks questions, rejoices, and endures. This is what it looks like to have a living faith. This is what it looks like to demonstrate care, which is what we are called to as Christians. I wonder which quality stands out for you today. I wonder how you can care more as a friend. And how's the Holy Spirit prompting you today to be a better friend? How's he prompting you to be 
a better friend. Not for other people to be better friends to you, but for you to be a better friend. Because what this passage does is it really demonstrates Paul's heart. We get an insight into his, into his heart for the gospel to advance and for the Thessalonian church to be loved. And Paul's living out of the love that Jesus has deposited into him and he's passing it on to this young church and he knows, because he's already spoken about it in the letter, that this young church is passing it on to others. See, there's a multiplier in this. And we were never meant to be containers in how we receive from God. We're always conduits. God deposits in us to pass on through to others. And that's what he's saying here to this young church. And they're living out uh, from the trust of Jesus' own words to his disciples. In John 13, when Jesus washes the feet of his disciples as a servant leader, and he goes on to say these words, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, God is actually calling us and desiring us and asking us to demonstrate care to one another, to be a really good friend and to create a community of embrace and welcome where we keep growing in our friendship with one another. It's really the take home from what Paul is impressing upon us from this letter to the Thessalonians and to Clovey to us today. Let's pray together. I just want you to.